0: good morning everyone it's good to see all of you and um i want to let you know that we're if you haven't been with us we're in a series called life after death how far is heaven we're talking about what happens after we die as believers and the last message which happens at the end of july um, is going to be an interview where pastor kyle will be up front and interviewing me asking me questions that you send in the most asked questions are the ones we'll ask, so if you'd like to do that, you can either write legibly on a communication card and put it in the offering plate, or you can text it to this number, 612-562-8202, 612-562-8202, that is not my number, <clears throat> and uh, we'll accumulate those, the team will go through them, and uh, it'll be it'll an be interesting and, and fascinating service as um, you share your questions, and I've tried to hint to you maybe what some of those questions would be, but uh, you, you do as you feel. If yours doesn't get answered, I apologize up front, and uh, maybe we'll find another way to do that. So I want to tell you about William Gladstone. Uh, he was a British politician toward the latter half of the 1800s, he was a prime minister of England, and one day he came across a young man who was full of ambition and energy, and he said to him, what are you gonna do with your life? The young man said, well, I'm going to study law and, and go into government. Then what, asked Gladstone. He said, well, I, I hope that uh, I'll be able to serve my, my nation uh, and, and, and help it every way I can uh, legally through the system of our laws. Then what, queried Gladstone. He said, well, I hope I become famous and wealthy. At least he was honest. Then what, queried Gladstone. He said, well, I guess I'd like, to, um, I'd like to retire and live off of the money that I've earned. Again, Gladstone said, then what? And by now, you can imagine, he got a little befuddled with that question because it point is something that we don't like to talk about. He said, well, then I guess I'll die. <laughs> then what? Asked Gladstone. And this time, there was total silence. And then Gladstone looked at him and said, young man, it might be a really good idea for you to go back and think through what life is all about. I think that question, then what, is a really good question. And I think it's a question that, you know, as I see some of our students here, that's a great, that's a great time to start asking that question. Because it gets really harder the older you get to course correct. But if you start asking that question early on, then it really helps you establish your life. But periodically, we do need to ask ourselves, then what, then what? And so, that's what we've been doing with with death, then what? What happens after we die? And Last weekend, we looked at the fact that Jesus said to a criminal who had a conversion on the cross, hanging next to Jesus, Jesus said to him, today you'll be with me in paradise. And We looked at that word paradise, we said it's an intermediary state, it's a temporary place that we go after we die. And the word literally means garden. If you missed any of the messages, you can go online and and catch up, by the way. And um, whether it's the Garden of Eden or like the Garden of Eden, we don't know, but we're very conscious there. We're very alert there. We may have a temporary body there. We may have a soul with bodily characteristics, because that's what it sounds like when you read uh, about paradise. But that begs another question, then what? Then what? Because it's a temporary state. What happens next? And what happens next is the resurrection. The resurrection of our bodies, just like Jesus had a resurrected body. In fact, as way far back as Daniel, in chapter 12, verse 2, we read about a coming resurrection. It says, multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Later on in John 5, Jesus talks about the same thing. Paul talks about it, 1 Thessalonians 4. The Bible makes it really clear that eventually we're going to have resurrected bodies. So, let's talk a little bit about that. And I want you to turn open to 1 Corinthians 15, or if you use an electronic version, uh, turn on to 1 Corinthians 15. Those of you joining us online, it's great to have you along as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The first part Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, Paul establishes the resurrection of Christ and his resurrected body. Then he starts talking about our resurrected body as well. It's really important for us to think about the future and about heaven because it informs how we live today. We're not meant to go through this life with our head down. That's just a depressing way to live life. Always thinking about now and my problems and the world and the news and finances and relationship issues and on and on, that just drags you down, doesn't it? It's like a vortex, just sucks you in and destroys your life. We're, we're to keep our eyes, yes, focused on what's going down here, but interpreting what's happening here in light of our hope in Christ, seated in the heavenly places. So with that in mind, let's jump into 1 Corinthians 15, and I want to start at verse uh, 35. Paul says, but someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. Now, Paul's not saying it's foolish to ask about the resurrection of our bodies. He's not saying it's foolish to wonder what it's going to be like. What he's dealing with are some skeptics in Corinth, which is Greek, who are under the influence of Greek thought, which saw the body as a bad thing. And that our whole goal in life is to get separated from the body and never have a body again. And Paul says that's not what the Bible teaches. The body teaches that the, bo- that the body and the soul belong together. That's why paradise is a temporary state. And that's why Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, we looked at it last weekend, that we long to be connected to our new body. And so that's what he's talking about here. Let's keep reading. Verse 37. He says, when you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body as he has determined, and to each kind of seed he gives its own body. Not all flesh is the same. People have one kind of flesh, animals have another, birds another, and fish still another. So rather than me trying to explain those words, I can illustrate it for you. And it makes so much sense what Paul is trying to say. So I have these sunflowers up here, and uh, aren't they pretty? Okay. I want you to imagine for a moment, this is really what Paul is saying, that these flowers represent your resurrected body. Pretty impressive, huh? All right. What makes it even more impressive is over in this bowl, I have sunflower seeds, okay? Now what would you rather be, a sunflower seed or? the sunflowers themselves. Personally, this is a little bit more beautiful, right? Impressive, I doubt any of you have setting in your home little areas with, unless you eat them, little areas with sunflower seeds and when your guests come over, I doubt you say, now come look at these sunflower seeds. Aren't those just beautiful? They're my prize. You don't do that, right? They're small, they're kind of ugly. What's impressive though is this. I might say to you, Come and look at my sunflowers, aren't they beautiful? And that's what Paul is saying. He's saying, you know what? Our bodies are like these seeds that we have right now. We can't get this, we can't get the resurrected body until these are put away. Because what happens is when the seed is planted into the dirt, it dies, it opens up and this is what comes out. So Paul in essence is saying, We've got to die. We've got to get rid of this body, so to speak, so we can get this body, our resurrection body, which He has in store for us. It's so much for us to look forward to. And that's why, that's why for a believer, death is not the end. Death is a beginning. It is the start of a new life for each of us. So if you have a loved one who has passed away, their life's not over. Sure, we celebrate what their life was, but we look forward to what their life is going to be and that resurrected body and our resurrected body as well. So, let's go back to the passage of Scripture, and let's keep reading here. I'll start at verse 40. It says, there are also heavenly bodies, and there are earthly bodies. But the splendor of the heavenly bodies is one kind, and the splendor of the earthly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another, and the stars another. And star differs from star in splendor so will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable, it is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. And T. Wright, the New Testament theologian, says that we die with a corrupted physicality. We are raised in our resurrected body with an incorruptible physicality. In other words, we die with our bodies, and when we, have our resurrect, when we receive our resurrected body, it is a body that can no longer be corrupted. All right, it cannot die again. And he says, it's a spiritual body. What he means by that is not that we become ghosts. Remember Jesus appeared in his resurrected body? And the disciples thought he was a ghost and he said, touch me, I, you know, I'm, I'm real. This is real skin, real muscle, real bone. And he says to them, you know, give me something to eat so I can show you. Ghosts don't eat, I'm the real deal. Spiritual body means that, it means that we are completed spiritually. That, that God's spirit completes us in our soul and our bodies and, and in essence brings us together. And I think you'll understand it more when we look at these next verses. So, come down to verse 48. He says, as was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are of heaven. So, here's the bad news, okay? And the bad news is, we're all made of mud. Isn't that glamorous? Isn't it funny? I don't don't know if guys do this, but don't don't you ladies, like, do... Facials, don't you put mud on your face? I guess that's kind of a thing you're trying to get back to. Anyway, I better keep moving on. I'll be in trouble with this, all right? (laughs) So we're made out of mud. God formed us out of dust of the ground. He breathed into us what? The breath of life. But in a resurrected body, it's not made out of mud. It's a heavenly body. It's designed by God, and he gives it to us. Makes me think of what Jesus said in John 14. I'm going away to prepare a place for you. I'm getting ready something for you that in a sense is unearthly that I'm going to give to you. Now come back to verse 49. And just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, think of the body, Adam and Eve, so also we bear the image of the heavenly man. Well, who's the heavenly man? What's he talking about? Well, all I have to do is think about Jesus. Let me take you to another passage of scripture that illuminates this more. Philippians chapter three, verse 20. I got a lot of scripture, so I'm kind of humming through this. You might want to jot these down. Uh, but Philippians chapter three, verse 20, listen to what he says. He says, but our citizenship is in heaven. We eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies, think about those seeds, so that they will be like his glorious body, think about the sunflowers. Or over in 1 John, near the book of Revelation, chapter three and verse two, First John, chapter three, verse two, John says, "'Dear friends, now we are children of God, "'and what we will be has not yet been made known.'" In other words, we don't have the complete picture of what it's all gonna be like. It's beyond even our comprehension. But he says, "'We know that when Christ appears, "'we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is.'" And Jesus left in resurrected form, and he's coming back with a resurrection body. So if I want to know what my resurrection body is going to be like, then all I really need to do is I need to think about Jesus' resurrected body because mine will be patterned after that. So what was the resurrected body of Christ like? Well, there are several different passages of Scripture that describe his resurrected body. And so we're going to take a look at those. While I was doing my research and studying the message, I came across an author, I've read him before. His name is Robert Morgan, he's a pastor and author. He wrote a book called Red Sea Rules, which I think a couple years ago I recommended we read. And uh, he wrote a little article called uh, Seven Fantastic Facts About the Resurrected Body. So I'm gonna borrow his seven and kinda add some uh, commentary uh, to them as well. So let's read the first one together. We'll leave it up long enough if you wanna jot them down. Let's read it aloud. Our resurrected bodies will be incapable of dying. Our resurrected bodies will be incapable of dying. So back in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 50, Paul says, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable, that's this body right now, inherit the imperishable, my resurrected body. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep took on human flesh he was born in bethlehem and then lived his life out on earth for 33 years perhaps we're not exactly sure 31 32 33 years his body was vulnerable to death he took on a human body But in his resurrection, his resurrected body is no longer vulnerable to death. The same thing is true with you and me. Our bodies, your body and mine, is vulnerable to death, which is always interesting when you're younger, right? I remember this. Maybe you students feel this way. When I was young, I I didn't think much about death. I felt invulnerable to death. Old people die. And then my friends started to die some by suicide, some by drinking and, and driving and getting killed, and suddenly I realized death is a real thing, not just for old people. It affects all of us. And the, and the Bible tells us that, you know, that's why we need to live our life according to God's will. And That's why, you know, suicide is never a way out if we really believe that God has hope for us That God loves us, that God's there with us. And it gives us a reason to live. And a reason to to know there is is a future. But my point is that someday you're gonna receive a body and that won't be an issue anymore. Look what it says in Romans chapter eight. It says, now if we die with Christ, we we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. He lives to God. Number two. So jot this down with me, would you please? And let's say it together. Our resurrected bodies will be incapable of pain and tears. Our resurrected body is being capable of pain and tears. How many of you woke up today with a little bit of pain or ache? Let me see your hands. Yep. Happens to all of us, doesn't it? Imagine someday, no more pain, no more ache. If you struggle with diabetes, someday no more diabetes. Struggling with cancer, someday no more cancer. If you're struggling with, you know, uh, chemical imbalance, no more chemical imbalance. You will be made well. You will be made well. Your resurrected body is going to be a perfect body. Body. Look what it says in Revelation 21, let's read it aloud. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. That's what we have to look forward to, all right? Number three, let's read it aloud together. Our resurrected bodies will be physical and recognizable, our resurrected bodies will be physical, and recognizable. So Randy Alcorn, who's written a tremendous amount about heaven and others as well, N.T. Wright and Anthony Hakama and some others, tell us that our resurrected bodies will probably retain, we, as we join, right, because we're not meant to be separated, will retain our skills. We'll retain our interests and our abilities I see Heather nodding at me down there, and she's a tennis player. And you love tennis, right, Heather? So you'll keep playing tennis, all right? Probably better, right? But in heaven, you won't be able to beat anybody. See, everybody, everybody wins. Everybody wins. All right. We retain our same gifts, our same skills, our background. So somebody like uh, Colin, our worship leader, and our musicians and vocalists you know, they'll continue to be able to do that, which makes me feel bad. It makes me feel bad because really there's not going to be a need for preaching in heaven. So I've made a decision that from now on we're going to have like 55 minutes of preaching and five minutes of music because they get to do it for eternity. I don't, all right? Some of you are like, Pastor, when you preach, it feels like eternity, man. But we're also going to, we're also going to retain our resemblance in glorified form. Some of you are like, no, I don't want to look like this. I want hair on my head. I want to look like her. Man, she's so beautiful. I want to look like Aunt He's so handsome. That's, and I want to take just a little sidetrack here, and especially since I know we have more youth in this service. Let me ask you this question, because a lot of us are into our self-image, what we look like. Why do you care about how you look? Do you realize that the reason you care is because what the culture tells you you're supposed to look like? It's because how others have evaluated you, and therefore that's why you're always worried how I look. Am I pretty enough? Am I skinny enough? Am I too thick? Am I too thin? Am I too this, am I too that, too short, too tall, too strong, too weak, on and on it goes. Why? Because we're always evaluating ourselves by what the world thinks of us. Now imagine that didn't exist. Imagine people looked at you, and everyone just looked at you and thought you're the most beautiful person, the most handsome person they have ever seen. And everybody saw each other that way. That would be heaven, wouldn't it? Yeah. And that's what heaven is going to be. Which is really great news for us. So you've got to be careful you don't drag some of earthly thinking into the future. You won't have to compete in the future. You won't, have to, you won't be measured up against anybody else, and nobody will measure you. It's almost impossible for us to imagine living in an environment like that, but that's what it's going to be like. And it's just going to be fabulous. What God has in store for you and for me. All right, let's move on. Read this with me, please. Our resurrected bodies may have super-dimensional qualities. Our resurrected bodies may have super-dimensional qualities. Now, here's one of the benefits of coming to 11 o'clock service. Because by 11 o'clock, I'm starting to really loosen up a little bit, all right? And, and a little bit more relaxed, okay? And you're kind of a, a, a more uh, involved service, all right? I like that, okay? So here's what I want you to do. Uh, and I can only give you a few seconds, we're running short on time. Um, just in a, in a couple of seconds, I want you to tell the person next to you um, who... You wish, as a kid, you could have been as far as a superhero. What superhero as a kid did you want to be? Quickly, very quickly. All right, that's enough, okay? Got to get you back, okay? When I was a kid, when I was a kid, I wanted to be Superman, all right? Now, uh, and I tried jumping off things and it didn't work. But anyway, all right, we're going to have these special abilities. And you say, well, how, how, where do you come up with that? Well, I think about Jesus in his resurrected body. You know, it tells us in Luke 24 that he appeared to some of his followers after he was resurrected in a resurrected body on the road to Emmaus. And then after disclosing himself to them, he just, it says, disappeared. In John chapter 20, the disciples are in a room. The doors are locked, we're told. Luke gives us the context as well. And he says that suddenly Jesus appeared in their midst, and that's when they thought he was a ghost, because they didn't know how he could come through locked doors and walls. And last weekend, we brought in some physics. Remember string theory? And we talked about how... You know, scientists are telling us now that there may be multiple dimensions out there. Things that were science fiction laughed at 30, 40 years ago now is the, is the uh, subject of very serious study by some of the most brilliant people in the world. It is possible that in our resurrected bodies, molecularly, we can change so that I can move from one dimension to another. I can be here now, and I can just move through dimensions and be in California in a nanosecond. Now, I don't know how all that's going to work, all right. I'm just telling you, God has something glorious in mind for you and me, because that's what He created us for. And we have just taken the lie of Satan, and we live lives of poverty. We get so excited about this world, and so excited about technology, and so excited about marketing, and owning this toy, and having this thing, and being able to do that. Man, that is poverty. That's ridiculous compared to what God has for us. And as believers, my question is, do you believe that? And if you say, well, I don't know, that's not kind of scientific to me. I mean, I'm kind of an educated person. I don't know if I can believe in that. Wow, you need to come to grips with reality because some of the brightest people in the world are beginning to say, hey, we think there are these capabilities in the future. God's letting, letting them in on a little bit of a secret, isn't he? Let's move on. Say this with me, our resurrected bodies will be in the prime of life. One more time, our resurrected bodies will be in the prime of life. Hugely speculative, okay? The Bible does not say that in your resurrected bodies you will be this age, because we'll be ageless, but how we present ourselves. Some scholars think, well, based on the fact that Jesus was about 33 when he ascended to the Father, maybe that's what it'll be like. Maybe we'll all have the appearance of 33 year olds. Eh, we'll see, all right? Not a big deal, something to think about. Which begs a question, how about children when they go to heaven? Someone might want to write that question up. Anyway, uh, let's move on. Number six, with me please. Our racial and gender identities will probably continue into heaven. I love this one. I love this one. Now, all of us use our imagination and all of us think about heaven at some point. But what we don't understand is how subconsciously we think about heaven. When you think about heaven, what color do you see? See? What color do we see? We tend to see our own color, or what is the dominant idea in the culture of the right color? I'm going to blow us away right now. You ready? Revelation 7-9. I want everybody to read this with me, please. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb." You know that verse make clear in also Revelation chapter 5 verse 9? That every color is going to be represented. There won't be ghettos of color in heaven, but every color will be represented because God created every color. Satan tries to use that to divide us, when in reality It is the beauty that God created, so there can never be room for racism or bigotry amongst the followers of Jesus Christ, because that, we are going to be together in heaven, therefore shouldn't we start now and try our best now? And not only that, every language is going to be spoken in heaven, won't that be awesome? And what's going to be really great is we'll be able to understand each other in our language, praising and worshiping God. Finally, I'll be able to get my, my Spanish accent right. I'll be able to understand, speak Portuguese, or Tamil, or Swahili, or Tagalog, or German, or whatever it is, we'll be able to understand, because this is who God made us to be. And from what I understand the scriptures, we will retain our gender. Now, as soon as I say that, someone's thinking to themselves, but didn't Jesus say, we'll be like the angels? That's when he was answering the question about, will there be marriage in heaven? He said, no, in that sense, we will be like the angels. Meaning there will, be not, there will not be marriage. But he doesn't say it means you won't be male or female, genderless. Jesus was resurrected in a male gender, resurrected body. And so I believe we will retain that as well as we were created by God. As we receive our body again. It's going to be exciting as we look forward to the future, isn't it? And what God has for us. Some of you are like, are, are you guys with me? Anybody excited about that? All right, so I make sure, okay? All right, number seven, read it with me. In our resurrected bodies, we will emanate the glory which God gives us. You say, what do you mean? Am I going to really light up? In a sense, we think you will. We think we will shine with the glory of God. So where do you get that from? Well, look at Jesus for a moment, all right? Think about, think about his resurrected body. Think about in Luke chapter 9 when he was transfigured on the Mount of Transfiguration. Suddenly it says his clothes became white like snow and, and he, he shined with his glory there on the Mount of Transfiguration Peter, James, and John witnessed that. Later on, on the road to Damascus, Paul is ambushed by the resurrected Jesus and he's blinded by the light of Christ's presence. Revelation chapter 1 and Revelation chapter 21. Talk about the blinding light of God's presence. When you go to Exodus chapter 34, Moses goes up Mount Sinai He's in the presence of God. And when he comes down, the Israelites say, could you put a veil over your face? Because you are shining so brightly. Why? He'd been exposed to the presence of God. You ever see somebody who's been in the sun way too long? Right? And the next day, their face is like beet red, but they kind of shine. All right? It won't be quite like that. It'll be way beyond that. All right? And they told Moses, wear the veil. He put the veil on. Eventually, his shine faded. Yours and mine will never fade because you have our resurrected bodies. But not only that, think about the amount of transfiguration. Who's there with Jesus? All right, Moses and Elijah. And what does it say about them there in Luke, there in Luke chapter nine? It says that they too shone with glory in their bodies. So I believe it's very possible that in our resurrected bodies, there will be a sense of the glory of God because we're totally exposed to God that just soaks into us and we reflect that glory to each other. Now what I don't want us to do, and we've been talking about this almost every weekend, is I don't want us to just focus on ourselves and heaven as this place for me. I want us to remember what we said last weekend, heaven heaven is made so God can be with us. And our resurrected bodies are only possible because Jesus rose from the dead. And Jesus rose from the dead because He died on the cross, and why did He die on the cross? To make it possible for us to spend an eternity with Him in the heaven that He's created for us. To make it possible for us to pass from death to life by removing our sin, and our guilt, and our shame, and our condemnation, and treating us as though we never sin as He looks at us through His Son, Jesus Christ. And what did it cost God to do that? I can't get over this in my own mind. God who created space and space cannot contain Him, Christ the Creator, Hebrews tells us, Hebrews chapter 1, who fills out space and space cannot contain Him, contained Himself in bodily form, knowing that when He did, He would go through death, He would receive a resurrected body, and for all eternity, He would stay in that resurrected body, all for one reason, because He wants to be close to you and me. Because He wants to be close to you and me. Now, if you think it's a myth and it's a fable, that's one thing. If you believe it's true, then it ought to really humble us and create a spirit of thanksgiving and anticipation for us. And if you think it's a myth, then I don't know how you resolve why you're here and what the purpose is in life. When so much, even outside of the scripture, points to God. Points to God. Folks, it's it's by no accident we're here. When I was thinking about this, what Christ has done for us, an old hymn came to my mind. Joe played it on the guitar right before the message. And I just want to share with you the words of this song. It says, I hear the Savior say, thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. Lord, now indeed I find thy power and thine alone. Can change the leper spots and melt the heart of stone. For nothing good have I whereby thy grace to claim. I'll wash my garments white in the blood of Calvary's lamb. And when before the throne, I stand in him complete. That's what we've been talking about. Jesus died my soul to save. My lips shall still repeat. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left the crimson stain. He washed me white as snow.